Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick. And all the way across the pond is the gold standard in ghost hunting, Mr. Stephen Parsons. Happy Hanukkah. Or should I call you Dr. Stephen Parsons? No. You can? Well, who, why on earth would you want to do that? Reverend Stephen Parsons? You can do that. That's fine. Yeah. Bishop Stephen Parsons? You can use that too. I upgraded. I paid the extra 50 bucks. His Majesty Stephen Parsons? No, that comes later. Yeah, oh, whatever. However, you can call me your, your Lordship. Okay. But I won't. I can, but I won't. I'll accept that. Well, how do you refer to Lords in proper title? I mean, you know, I have to get that down. Uh, sir, usually. Do you call him just sir? I mean, you don't call him your lordship or anything like that? Well, you can use either. Um, the, more, the most formal version is your um, lordship, but you can also just refer to them as sir. Oh, okay. Hmm. Intriguing. Or oh, madam, oh, madam, if they're a lady. Yeah. We, have to be, we have to be gender inclusive these days. That's right. And uh, for those who don't know, of course, I'm referring to my title, which was granted me through ownership of a vested piece of property in the town of Chelmsford, county of uh, Chelmsford, whatever the hell it is, someplace in England. Right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, apparently so. It's hanging on my wall. Yeah. Hmm. I've got a star, but it doesn't mean it's mine. Yeah, but I do. My name's on it. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll have to go visit it one day, or we'll send a roving reporter along to see if there's a, a plot claim on it. Yeah, I mean, I should, uh, yeah, you know, I'd like to, uh, when I go over there, I'm going to have to have my picture taken on it. Yeah. On my vast estate. Providing you ask the owner's permission, if you can go walk in their garden. Uh, wait a minute, I own that land. What do you mean? <laughs> Maybe I can go by drone, I don't know. Anyway. I think we have a title to it, but I don't think you're actually in the physical um, land. Because as, uh, here in the UK, there are hundreds of companies who sell uh, defunct titles and land deeds. Uh, no, no, it's physical land. I've yeah, seen, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. On a, there plot, is. on a plot of paper. Yeah, no doubt. I don't disagree with you one, one iota, but there are hundreds of companies who sell thousands of these defunct manors and titles. Mm-hmm. Um, rather like they sell stars or pieces of hell. Pieces of hell, that's right. We both own a piece of hell. But... We both own, I think, is it one square inch? I don't know. We'll have to go one day and, and claim it. Yeah. And of course, we're talking about hell, Michigan. Yeah, where it, hell does freeze over. Yeah, absolutely. According to the um, certificate. Yeah. So anyways... Um... I was looking through my book, Ghost of Day, which is, this, if you don't have Ghost of Day, this book is freaking phenomenal. There's 365 ghost stories, and I... Hey, are you not, you're not supposed to... Uh, 
that, that's that's not very modest. I'll just relax, will you? So, anyways, uh, <laughs> it's just amazing. I mean, some of the stuff I've forgotten about them, and and I go through it, and it, it kind of reminds me all all of it again, which is intriguing. It's like you know, it's like having an Anheuser disease. You know, every day is a new day. Do you know what? I I kind of I I kind of get where you're coming from because um, a couple of weeks ago I for reasons of research, had to read several chapters of Ghostology. You actually read that? Well, not since I wrote it, um, but I had to reread it to re- because I was doing some something that required uh, the information from several chapters. Right. And I hadn't seen that, you know, obviously since I wrote it two, two plus years ago. And I thought, Actually, this is quite good. <laughs> I'd forgotten because if you put your, you know, you, you put you do something and then you put it away and you move on to the next project and you may not pick it up for a number of years, mm-hmm. and you do tend to forget about the work that you put in and then you pick it up some years as I did a couple of weeks ago. I think, did I did, did I really write this? <laughs> this is this is really quite you know okay. But, uh, you know, there's been a resurgence of uh, Ghost Chronicles, the original one, because more Ghost Chronicles is coming out on October 1st. And, yes, uh, it is. Yes. And so I've got a couple of me- emails which were, were kind of, uh, you know, I have, to ch- I have to change my marketing on this now because uh, this, this woman had this book and she began to read it, the first chapter, and her glass shattered as she was reading it and there was no reason nothing was near it it just shattered so glass, i guess glasses do that you know so i could say the glass shattering and and another one i just got another email yesterday in fact from a woman who went out and bought the book she came home and and put it on her kitchen table went into the other room and she started hearing noises out in the kitchen and when she came in there she had goosebumps and a hero and her neck stood up and the thing on the table just fell right off. Wow. And then a short time weather, something else flew off the table. So, yeah, this this book, uh, Ghost Chronicles, making a resurgence with uh, Wolf, strange paranormal activity occurring with it. They're, well, I can't claim anything like that, but I do get what you mean. Um, they do tend to, particularly if you use the author's page on Amazon, um, you know, when a new book comes out, people read it. For the first time they discover the author, um, like what they're reading, and then in some cases they do go back and dig out earlier works. Um, I see that all the time on the sales page. Yeah. So, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. So, it proves anyway, at least we're still relevant. Exactly. Anyways, going back to Ghost of Day, which I was talking about, and yes. I, was, I was going through it, and uh, I came across a couple stories in it, and I, I kind of, you know, I always was fond of these, and um, I kind of forgot about them, sort of. So I, I wanted to talk about a couple of them, and, and these, you will be aware of them, I'm sure, Steve. So um, I, I'm going to have you comment on, on them as well. Maybe you can give me some more personal information than what I have. Because the stories are extremely small, because 365. Anyways. So I'm going to start in September 10th, 1641. I remember that well. And this it was, was raining in, that day. Yeah, it was actually. Uh, Wadley Hall in Wardley, Worsley, England. That's your neck of the woods. Could be Wardley Hall. 
Mm. Is exactly. it Wardley? W-A-R-D-L-E-Y? Yeah, Wardley Hall. Never heard of it. Okay. <laughs> All right. So anyway, so Wardley Hall, there's a series, uh, I mean, in England, there's a series of what they be, uh, believe it's, are called Screaming Skulls. Many of them right. shrouded in mystery, but not the Screaming Skull of Wardley Hall. The skull belonged to Father Ambrose Barlow, a fourth son of a nobleman. Ambrose was born in 1585. The family, family reluctantly converted to Protestant during the great uh, suppression of Catholicism. In 1605, he converted back to Catholicism, wow, and became a priest. On, on March 7, 1641, Charles I signed a decree proclaiming that all priests should leave the country or face arrest for treason. Despite the urging of his congregation, Ambrose decided to remain. On Easter Sunday, 1641, he was arrested, found guilty of treason, and hanged, then drawn and quartered. That's got to leave a mark. Uh, his head was removed and placed on display at Lancaster Castle. The skull was secretly removed and taken to Wadley Hall and hidden. It was uh, forgotten and lost for some time, until the owner of the mansion discovered it in the 1800s. It was preserved and put in a place of honor. One day a servant who feared the skull threw it into the moat. Oh, that's not nice. The skies turned dark, and a powerful storm struck the hall. The owner, realizing what he had done, uh, drained most of the moat and returned the skull to its rightful place. Stories have been told of other attempts to destroy the skull, burning, burying, and even smashing it have failed. It seems Father Ambrosia Barlow as stubborn in death as he was in life. So, do you know the story? I know. Yes, I know it. It's one of the uh, one of the ones that used to be in all of the um, ghost books in the UK. You know, you, those uh, paperbacks that you see on. Um, uh, back in the day, I love those books. By the way, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, it was one of the famous ones. Like, there's, uh, the, we have several. We have a number of screaming skulls. Yes, yes. I mean, I've got another one too. I'm going to mention, but uh, yeah, you can certainly. Uh, um, so I, I've, 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 I've only ever visited and. That was what I was going to ask you. Which one have you visited? Have you visited any one? Uh, the one in East Yorkshire, which is, um, oh, I can't remember the name of the damn hall now. East East Yorkshire. Yeah, it's on the East Yorkshire coast. Um, yes, yeah, uh, that would be. Um, Burton Agnes Hall. That's the one, Burton Agnes. Yeah. Yes, I visited and and actually held the skull. Did you really? Uh, they were doing some renovations at the time. This was going back twenty years. Um, I'm not even sure if the skull is still there now. I imagine it will be. Uh, but at the time, they were doing urgent renovations because of uh, the uh, roof had started to leak, so they had to remove the skull from its uh, containment. Mm-hmm. And um, after. I think I'd visited the day previously, and then on the the second visit, the owner graciously uh, allowed me to um, look at the skull closely. Well, it was still in its box, a wooden. It's in a wooden box. Um, but he noticed. On a box, or is it just a plain? Box? It's just a plain wooden box with a glass front on it. Okay. Um, but he he noticed while while we were looking at it that they had cobwebs. Um, some small spider had got in, and so he decided to use the opportunity to dust it. Oh, and, uh, 
whilst whilst the cabinet was open, he graciously allowed me to, in fact, he asked me to hold it while he dusted it. Oh no! It was a long time ago. It was in the days before, in the days before digital, I'm afraid, and it was a very um, ad hoc experience. It wasn't anything right. I was expecting, so uh, I don't even think I owned a camera back then. For yeah. well, I yeah, I did, but it was one of those you know cumbersome SLRs that required film and things, and I, I think I, I was there for a few days on holiday, and I think I'd left it in the uh, accommodation. Couldn't be bothered taking carrying it around that day. So, I mean, so you actually held the skull? Yes, I have. Um, whilst the owner of it gave it a dusting. I don't know what happened to it. I don't even know if it's still there anymore. It's got to be. It's got to be. It, it, I imagine it would be. Um, it's too much of a... It was, in its day, a huge tourist attraction to Burton Agnes, um, which is in the riding, east riding of Yorkshire, the, the east county of Yorkshire, right on the east, east coast. Is that near you, or is that... No, no, it's right on the opposite side and up. Oh. Um, we we were actually there on my first honeymoon. Uh, oh, trip, trip, trip. that's sweet. And I, I went to Disney World and you went to Agnes Hall. Okay. Well, I've had, yeah, you've had only had one honeymoon. I've had two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I did get to hold the skull of Bert, uh, Bert and Agnes. It's the only one I've ever encountered. There is another one in uh, Gloucestershire. Um, that I visited the location, but the skull there isn't on display, and there's several more where I've been because a lot of the skulls actually aren't on display. They're either behind a partition um, or for some reason off and out of the public gaze. So um, even if you ask, they're they're not accessible to view. They're, That's they're, they're kind. I'm surprised that most haunted didn't do anything. <laughs> um, I don't think they'd be allowed to. I think. I, I, um, I'm not sure that they would I'm sure that they would have asked mm-hmm. um, it would be exactly the sort of thing that they would ask about but whether, oh, absolutely. They, but whether they would ever well obviously they were never granted permission but I've only encountered the one um, sort of face to face but they're fascinating and the stories do go back again as you said to the Reformation to that time between um Edward the Edward the Sixth, and um, well, I suppose just into Charles the First, where there was this flip-flopping between state religions or fear of uh, with Charles the First, because we were then by by then a, 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 Protestant, a fully Protestant country, but his wife Henrietta Maria was was Protestant uh, was Catholic, and there was always a great fear that Charles would um, turn the nation back to Catholicism. Mm-hmm. And um, from that period between the two monarchs, so from the 1560s, uh, I think, yeah. um, through to the 1640s, there is this suppression of the different religions, both sides persecuting one another. Yeah, I um, Some of the skulls date from that period. A lot of the holy relic that we have as well date from that period we've got a mummified hand in Manchester from another saint one place that we did investigate which is Chingle Hall in Lancashire um, it supposedly got the head of a saint martyr who was similarly tormented and tortured for his beliefs mm-hmm. uh, he's Jesuit and uh, his head disappeared and is believed to be buried in the grounds of Chingle Hall um, and it 
fact, the building does have several preholds and a, uh, and a chapel. It oh. used to be known as the most haunted house in England. <laughs> what house isn't? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean there was set, there was there was obviously the famous Borley, which of course mm. uh, was destroyed by fire and ultimately pulled down just after World War Two. But thereafter, into the seventies, it be, the the uh, title switched to Lancashire, England, not very far from where I lived, and we had a very good relationship with the owners of Chingle Hall, um, which uh, led us. Actually, we were we 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 were able to visit. I think on several dozen occasions, and spend you know a lot of time exploring. The stories and the experiences that people had. Uh, some of them were really quite interesting. Some of them were were a little bit more mundane and explainable. But um, I think the, that was the place where I nearly fell over um, on the stairs, tripping over a cat that wasn't there. <laughs> and, and to this day, um, I, I maintain yeah. that a cat bolted down the stairs, uh, caused me to stumble, mm. and nearly fall, but of course uh, the owner Trevor at the time, Trevor Kirkham um, maintained that they didn't have a pet cat. Now I'm not saying that nobody else saw a cat but you know cats have this habit of getting into places where they shouldn't. Oh god yes Um, how many times times I've tripped over my real cat. (laughs) Yeah Um, but interestingly Chingle Hall does have a a story of a ghost cat as well so perhaps I did fall over the ghostly cat. You know a note on that and I think we talked about it before about uh, a lot of a lot of people believe all those cats in England were from that tomb they found in Egypt Mm -hmm. and the the farmer found the tomb and he found that it was all cat mummies and they Mm -hmm. they actually sold them to England as fertilizer and they were used right yeah so they believe that that's where some of the mummies come from, because the cat was was uh, almost worshipped in Egypt. It was it was. Well, it was it was it was worshipped as a god, as a deity, wasn't it? Um, yeah, but, you know. Uh, but yeah, we have lots of ghost cats in in the UK. I don't know. If, I don't know if that's is that the same in America? Do you have lots of ghost cats? You know, Steve, it, I've had uh run-ins with with them i i remember when we went to get gettysburg and we rented uh the little big town farm and yeah, little whatever it is little big top farm or whatever it's uh Mitchell felix was with us in fact and we just got into the house and um jim stonia who's does is our evp text guy for us uh he swore he saw a cat, but there was no cat there, and uh, he never sees anything. This is a guy that, you know, <laughs> he never experiences it. <laughs> but that was kind of uh, interesting. That, what was it, Ghosts? Ghost that was Macy, that? I think. Was, it, was that Macy? Come that could have been Macy. I think it was St. Jan sneezing her brain out, but that's accessible. Uh, I think it was Macy but, giving us a comment. Yeah, he swore he swore uh, he saw a cat and there was none. And I remember, in fact, when my uh, my cat I had this cat for over eighteen years that uh, used to follow me around, waited for me when I got home, waited for me when I got out of the shower. I mean, he was a fabulous cat. Uh, and uh, when he died and I buried him, um, I remember afterwards uh, I would get this feeling at night and. I would feel like he would jump on the bed and then like walk across the bed. I could feel the bed being pushed down. And 
you know, that's weird because he wasn't allowed on, on the bed, but I always had that feeling until, and I continued until we got a new cat and then it, it stopped. But, uh, the, and then the, the other, uh, case I had with a, a case, I mean, case with a cat was in the 1859 house in Methuen. And, um, we were up in the, the upper floors and I was walking and you know how cats rub against you. Oh yeah, it's de- it's definitely- you're either a cat person and you know these things, or you're a dog person and they're a complete mystery. Yeah, I know that's the thing. But anyways, I I, I swore there was a cat rubbing against me and I couldn't see anything. And uh, I was walking at the time, and, I, and I, in fact, I like I was almost going to trip. And and Thermal Dan, who was there, who was you know passed away, but. Mm-hmm. He was uh, thermal Dan because he used the the thermal imager. That was his deal. And um, he said, Ron, what's the matter? I said, I swear I, I felt the cat at my feet. And he looked and he says, Ron, you're not going to believe it, but it looks like there's a cat there at your feet in the image. And I says, get out of here. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't recorded. Uh, but No, the early, the early thermal cameras had that deficiency that they didn't record, did they? Well, I think you could do stills, but you couldn't do. Um... Well, this this one here was was actually. I mean, this is a long, long time ago. It was used by the fire department. They could see through walls with this damn thing and everything. And it actually broadcast to. Uh, it had its own broadcast, so you could you could record with it. Ah, right. But it, but we we weren't at the time. It was like a public event thing, and so uh, when it happened. But he swears that he saw a cat at my feet. I mean, I certainly had that feeling. And I say that was a cat. No, but I certainly had the feeling as if uh-huh. the cat was rubbing against me. Yeah, so that's my. Those are incredibly common. So that's my run-ins with uh, the uh, kitty. <laughs> I think. I mean, I, I've often j- half jokingly said I'm, I've always been convinced that cats um, not they, they don't see the paranormal. They are paranormal. I mean. <laughs> um, well, Anne and I, Anne Winsper and I, always used to joke. Um, and again, it was a wry joke. It was it was kind of half true that you would here in the UK. It's it's kind of a tradition. I I've had lots of cats down the years, um, and I've always maintained that at night the cat should go out. The cat right. should, you know, cats go out at night and do cat things. Yep. The, I've never been one for encouraging a cat a stay at home house cat. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at night, from from once they're old enough to, you know, once they've passed the kitten stage, I encourage them to. And so I would always, you know, put the cat out. Doesn't matter what, out. Yeah, doesn't matter what the weather. Open the door. Last thing oh, at night, go. cat goes out. Out you go. Go and be a cat. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, if you're going out for the day, you would put the cat out. Um, and the amount of times you would you would open the back door, you would put the cat out, you close the back door. And the cat would slink off around the corner, and then five minutes later, it walk down the stairs. <laughs> and you'd find it curled up on the bed. <laughs> and you're lucky, you think, how have you done that? <laughs> Wouldn't you like to know he said? And every cat owner I've said that to, down, you know, um, has recognized this anecdote that their cat seemed to have this. You put them out, they're, they're back in. Um, and you know your left head scratching, thinking, "How have you just achieved? You know, what, what, how did you do that?" But the UK has many strange animals. I remember one of the strangest that Anne and I um, we did actually go and look at it for an alien black cat once. One of these um, uh, cougars or panthers. That, oh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. 
Um, we didn't take it terribly seriously. It was a bit of a media thing. And, um, no. but, yeah, um, but I'll come on to that one in, in, in a little while. But uh, we also went one night, because where, where I lived up on, uh, in Cheshire, uh, we discovered that at a particular crossroads, there was a ghost duck. What? Yep, it gets better. The duck wasn't just a ghost. It was a ghost headless duck. Sweet. Now, as you can imagine, Anne and I had to go visit the site to see if we could discover more about it. And whilst we were doing the research, this was the village of Wibbumbury in Cheshire. And when we the when we were doing the research about it, because we thought this has got to be, you know, this is so bizarre, it's unique. But no, it wasn't, because a mile away in an adjacent village, they also had a ghostly headless duck. Two of them. They're the only two I've ever found in the entire world. Could it, could it be the same one, Steve? No, because the duck was a different colour. Oh, it was. We thought of that. Um, but no, it was a different size, it was a different colour, it was a different duck. But uh, out of, you know... The entire size of the globe, and we've only ever encountered the two headless ghost ducks uh, of Cheshire. Uh, I, they're actually mentioned in several of the guidebooks because it really is one of those bizarre cases. But to return to the alien black cat, I think parasites have been formed for a matter of a few short weeks, and uh, the local uh, media got in touch with us because there have been reports in. Uh, some woodland nearby of a black panther or a black leopard or a cougar, um, a big black non-native cat called an alien cat or an ABC. And uh, they sent a cub reporter out with us one night and um, said, you know, can we go see, you know, you're the paranormal experts, can we go see if we can find this cat? Now, of course, we knew that this was a, a folly, that we weren't going to find this cat, whether it existed or not. But we dutifully trolled along because, you know, we were a brand new team. We wanted some publicity and it was a fun night out anyway. And, um, yeah, we, we walked through this woodland, you know, with, we had night vision camera, we had binoculars, we had, you know, other things that we, other bits of kit that we might thought useful. Um, after about 45 minutes, we realized that we weren't going to see the cat. And uh, so we resorted to the cat owner's tried and trusted method of finding your cat. We produced a saucer of cat food and we banged the saucer, as as all cat owners will be aware. You know, the kitty, 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 yeah, kitty, 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 with the side of the spoon, no cat came. Oh. And the reporter looked at us and said, you're not taking this seriously. But it works. <laughs> it works for small cats. It might work for big cats. That's right. <laughs> it is, after all, a cat. It is. That it is. So, no, he, he realized that we were right up on the tunes. Yep, that's we're coming right up on it. So, uh, uh, we're listening to Ghost Chronicles uh, International, and uh, I actually have a, a story about someone submitted about another ghost cat. So, We'll talk about that when we come back. You'll listen to Ghost Chronicles International right here on Tojinet Radio and Parax Radio with Steve Parson and Ron Kolick. We'll be right back after the following messages. 
Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. If you're thinking of heading down to Circles of Wisdom in Andover, don't bother. They're not there anymore. They've moved, haven't they? Yes, they have. They're now in Methuen. In fact, we'll be their grand opening is September 8th, I believe. We'll be broadcasting live from there. So, uh, yeah, going down and visit us. And uh, I'm on just brand new. just mentioned October, Tuesday, October 23rd. Maureen and I will be doing a presentation and book signing there with our new book, uh, More Ghost Chronicles. So, check Have it you out. got a new book coming out? No. No? Not anything called More Ghost Chronicles? No. no. I thought you had. No, no, no. Anyways. We're not, we're not mentioning that then until the near the launch. I just see. mentioned it. I was just, just, I was trying to, like, you know, give you an opportunity to promote it. I just did. We'll promote it some more. No, I'm done. <laughs> and this is uh, actually a long-time listener of the show, Lay Ross. Uh, she sent us an email in uh, 2003. Um, her cat she sent us an email in 2003. Yeah, yeah, not you, me. Oh, uh, We've only just replied. We've only just replied. No, no, no. This is in my book, uh, Ghost, uh, Ghost, Ghost Today. Uh, in 2003, she had a cat named Tiger that passed away, and the cat had cancer and uh, used to sleep at the end of her bed every night, all curled up. And for weeks uh, after that, after Tiger passed away, she could still feel him in bed. Uh, finally, uh, she got uh, new cats, just like I did, 
and uh, it went away. Uh, finally, the, the cats became rambunctious, so she banned them from the bedroom. Um, then the unexpected happened. Two years later, Larry Ross brought kittens home, right? We talked about that. Due to uh, the rambunctious behavior of the hours, the kittens were banned from the bedroom. One night, Lay woke up and feel a cat jump on the foot of her bed and curl up to her feet. Half asleep, she reached down to pet her cat, felt it purr, and did, uh, you know, and did, uh, you know, she felt it purr. Uh, it took a moment for her mind to clear and realized that she had thrown the cats out of the bedroom. Once again, she reached down and felt the cat, then got up out of bed to check and see if the door had been uh, opened. Quickly, she turned on the lights and to amazement, Tiger's ghostly apparition jumped off the bed. And although Leigh has seen the cat spirit of her beloved hat on several occasions, uh, she has felt its uh, presence. So once again, we, we, we feel uh, cats. We, you know, they seem to hang around even when they, they pa- pass away. Yes, they do. And, you know, people have always got this attribution uh, when it comes to cats that they have some sort of extrasensory powers. Um, whether that, but as a cat, as a cat lover, I, you know, they are, they're very different than dogs. Um, you know, you are, and I think they're attuned to the person because have you also ever noticed? And cat owners will know will will know this to be true. If you if you have a visitor or a family um, member comes come stay and they are a cat hater, the cat will gravitate towards them and then jump all over them. <laughs> Uh, I would say for the most part, but not my present cat. She just hates all people. So that ah, she likes me, Stroker. Mm-hmm. Well, you're all right. Yeah. So there we go. Yeah. So cat, ghost kitties. Um, yeah, we all know Mary Rose Barrington, uh, who's uh, a, a, a long, long-standing member of the Society for Psychical Research, did a. Has, has forever championed a paranormal type of phenomenon, which she calls a jottle. Now, a jottle okay. is, it's its just an abbreviation of, or a, a, an acronym for just one of those things. Oh, cool. So things that just happen without any rhyme, reason, or explanation. It's a, it's a type of paranormal phenomenon, uh, spontaneous paranormal phenomenon that she has coined this term jottle. Um, and we've said to her on many occasions that uh, cats jottle. They do these weird um, things that you're not expecting them to do. They stare at corners of the room and then start meowing unexpectedly. Um, or as I say, they, they seem to know which, which family member or visitor doesn't like cats and then spend the entire night trying to climb all over them. They're very peculiar animals. Really? Yeah, I love having it. I, yeah, kitties are. I, I'm a very much a cat person, mainly because you can throw them out, and maybe, and mainly also because you can actually go away for a day or two, and know that the cat won't have eaten half the house, wrecked the furniture. Oh, only if uh, we feed it, as you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, or alternatively, you know, I've gone away for 24, 48 hours and just put the, you know, put the cat out and say, like, off you go, go fend for yourself, go be a cat, yeah. see you tomorrow. And you can with a cat, uh, you know, because you don't actually, I don't, I, I, I don't believe that you ever have a cat, a cat as a pet. I think they have us as pets. Oh, I agree. Uh, 
and the last two cats, we had cats up until quite recently, and it wasn't that we had to get rid of the cats, it's the cats shipped out. Um, one of them still regularly, um, this was two brothers, we got, they were farm cats, mm-hmm. and um, they just shipped out. One of them decided that, that food and life was better at a house, yeah, so a house just up the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, permanently shipped out, but pops by every few days to mooch at the windows and, and come say hi. The other one, um, again, uh, turned up, disappeared for about for about three days, as cats do. Uh, so we weren't unduly worried. Turned up wearing a collar. <laughs> what? <laughs> With a completely different name on it. <laughs> so it been renamed, huh? Rehomed itself and got got a new name. Um, so we have the cats. Offered them more, you know. That's all I can say. Well, that's it. Maybe they offered them. Uh, maybe they didn't throw the cats out at night. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's the story of the last two cats that we had. Um, you know, one one sort of uh, moved a couple of houses away, um, and the other one turned up one day wearing a collar. And uh, then disappeared again. We've never seen it since. <laughs> <laughs> Probably just came to say goodbye and say, look at me, I've got a nice new shiny blue collar. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of these. Uh... Those cats are sluts. You know, they, they are, yeah, you know, they'll, they'll they, do anything for a shiny blue collar. And, and the uh, best, best deal. Yeah, I mean, who's got the warmest spot? Who gives them the most Who food? Who gives them the most food, yeah. I mean, we had a, years ago, we had a cat, funny enough, also called Tiger. And um, although it was our cat, uh, it used to go round. Uh, it had like um, a route that it would take uh, door to door and it would sit at people's back doors for food. Yeah. So it would have, you know, it'd wake up, have breakfast. Um, then Go it would just, lunch. Yeah, that's right. It would do the rounds yeah. um, for food. <laughs> So here's, here's something that you might know about. This was uh, April 6th, uh, 1626, Highgate, London. Highgate Cemetery. Yeah, according to the BBC, you know them, right? Um, yeah, I've done a few things. So you, you never heard of the uh, Sir Francis Bacon is responsible for the world's first frozen chicken? No, I haven't. Okay, let me tell you the story, Steve. One particular, please, please do. <laughs> one particular frigid day in April, Baking and uh, friend Dr. Witherborn, a physician to James I, made a life-altering discovery. While enjoying a carriage ride through Pond Square, Highgate. Do you know where that is? No, I know Highgate. Okay. The men were discussing the possibility of using snow to preserve food. As the snow stuck to the wagon wheels, Bacon pointed out to Weatherborn that the grass beneath it looked as new and as fresh as ever. Weatherborn, not sharing his friend's vision, scoffed at him. Sir Francis, angered by the doctor's disbelief, ordered the carriage halted. Running into the home, <laughs> wait a minute, I love this one, running into the home at the bottom of Highgate Hill, he purchased a hen. Uh, he killed it, cleaned the bird, removed the feathers, stuffed the, the cavity with snow, and placed the carcass in a bag 
and covered it with more snow. Unfortunately for Bacon, the bird did not have uh, the bacon. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, let me do that again. Unfortunately for Bacon, the bird would have its revenge. A few days later, a, uh, as a result of the freezing the chicken, Bacon contracted a uh, acute form of pneumonia and then died April 9th, 1626. Wow. Not long after that, the ghost chicken began to appear. Many, uh, many frequent, frequently uh, freaking uh, going to, how's that? Pond Square would hear screeching and the clacking of a chicken, yet none were in sight. At first, the locals thought everyone, uh, you know, it was their own imagination. They even blamed it on the emotional reaction to uh, Sir Francis' death. But sightings continued. The featherless fowl, it's featherless now, uh, <laughs> had been seen on several occasions shivering and running in circles before vanishing to a brick wall. Over the years, uh, there have been countless sightings. And on December 1943, a British airman passing through town one night heard the sound of a carriage followed by a loud screech. He looked up, and although he saw no carriage, there before him was a bird, shivering and running about. He approached it, and it disappeared before his eyes. Okay, well, there you go. And uh, yeah, I, I I guess this gives a, a whole new meaning. I I had, I had, I'd never encountered that one. Um, yeah, I guess however, this gives, this gives what, a whole new meaning to the word poltergeist. It, yeah, pol poltergeist. Pol 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 poltergeist. Poltergeist. Yeah, poltergeist. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, but while you were telling me that, I I quickly now it, stupidly I should have known that story because really? obviously. Well, I should have done because it's in a book on my bookshelf. Um, Goes today? Uh, no, uh, a no. different one. Uh, because it was last seen in January 1969. Uh-huh. Um, and it put the dampers on a romantic embrace a couple were having in a doorway close to um, the pond when this ghostly frozen chicken put in an appearance. Really? Yep. Wow. So that would put a damper on things, huh? Yeah, so um, so we've got headless ducks and a frozen chicken. I told you Britain's unique. Someone should do a book about British ghosts. I know, just a person. Well, we need to find someone. We could talk about British famous British ghosts. I know, just a person. We should get them on the show. I tried. Oh. Anyway. Uh, so I was the, uh, Having none of it. That was the bell, which means pizza from the dead's here and we have to leave. But uh, before you go, I want to mention to all the listeners that Steve will be over here in the States in September and October for a couple of weeks. Uh, and it starts off with uh, Spirit Quest. And uh, you can go to, that's September 28th, 29th, and 30th, and go to our website, anyghostproject.com, the letter N, the letter E, ghostproject.com, to find more information and to purchase tickets. And also keep looking because we'll be posting new events there as well. Yeah, and we might even you might even be be able to you will be able to buy Ghost Chronicles too, won't you? Yeah, hopefully that's the deal. And you might be able to um, buy the SPR's new guidelines. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. When's that coming out? 
Uh, well, it, I, it's kind of out, but isn't the proof? The proofs are out, and they're being printed as we speak. I had the proofs given to me on Friday, uh, so they arrived on Saturday, and um, they're good. Mm-hmm. They're good. I approve. Okay. So, anyways, I guess we are out of time now, for real. Yes, we are. <laughs> so we want to thank you all for listening to hear all about our ghostly cats and screaming birds. Frozen naked birds and kitty. A, yeah, but a weird one. Yeah. Till next week. Good night. And God bless. <laughs> Good night. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good law.